0: Welcome to CFO Insights, I'm Guy Hutchinson, one of the Startup CFO Group founders and the host of this podcast. In this episode, we're interviewing Prakash Shah, one of our founders, and a CFO whose career spans from early venture-backed tech like MyDeco all the way through to traffic more recently, and his clients in his portfolio CFO role. Prakash shares his insights on how tech CFOs need to interact with and support their board we know members of our group are catapulted into a position with board exposure and great influence. In this podcast, we reveal the key takeaways on how to get the most out of your board meeting and gain insight into how mentoring and coaching can help you build an accelerated career path. Welcome, Prakash, to the podcast. Um, Great to have you on. Thanks, Guy. Really happy to be here. Yeah, fantastic. So, um, we caught up back in the summer and we're having a good chat about uh, various tech CFO things. And one of the topics that we stumbled across was board meetings and CFOs. And we both realized that we share the passion um, for, for really understanding how the CFO's role sits alongside the board. And we were talking then, I think, about how a lot of the new joiners to the startup CFO group, it's often the first time that they're they're joining a board meeting. And that, and that does pose certain sort of questions and challenges for them I mean, what, what's 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 your experience of this type of thing um yeah i guess um <clears throat> i mean from from a from the
1: perspective of a cfo um if you're joining the board for the first time i think the first the, the first thing is there's is the, old, the old adage of like you know fail to plan plan to fail right so um i think you kind of have to have a little bit of a strategy going into the board into the board meeting and i think the first thing that you really need to do is to have the data to hand so, you know, where you know, we immerse ourselves on our day-to-day lives and in our day-to-day roles in the world of data. And, you know, we are, all of our numbers come out of it, all of our reports come out of it. So I think that's the, that's the core foundation is just having the data available and having the data to hand, understanding it and understanding the story that you want to tell to the board. Now, if we think about how, how to structure that, the way I like to do things, like um, with, with <clears throat> especially with board meetings, is I like to have the core information on the historics all done and sent out as a pre-read. So that's really important, I think, because it just removes the, the need to talk about what has happened in the past to any great level of detail in the board, because the board should have pre-read it, and then they should come back into the, into the actual meeting with just specific questions on that. So then this is where it comes in, where having the data, having sent that data out, and then understanding the story that you want to tell with that data is actually quite important. So, and it does vary actually, interestingly, with um, the different stages of the life of the startup that you're in. Now, I think um, if you're a seed startup or series A startup or a series B plus startup, there'll be different requirements, I think, that you need for the board but all of them, I think having that data to hand, having that plan in place, and also having that story that you want to tell is really, really, really important. Um, So if you think about it from a seed stage perspective, uh, there might be less information available, there might be less data available. um, And a lot of it will be more about Projecting where you are, where you're going with the idea, and where you're going with the early sort of sales numbers. So I think that sort of focus is important. I think after sort of Series A and Series B, things start, start to settle down into a more typical board reporting format. And one of the other bits of advice I probably um, give to anybody who's dealing with, <clears throat> sorry, with startups that have um, investors on board, is to really ask the question of the investors. You know, what is it that they want to see? What is it? What are the key metrics that they want to have? And obviously, I I guess, having been involved, I assume, in the funding round and the funding stages and built the model and built the forecasts out, um, you'll have an interesting um, objective. And I guess you'll have an idea of what those particular KPIs and metrics are. And, you know, asking the question of the VC, asking the question of the lead investor and saying, you know, what are the metrics that you really want us to focus on here? Because I'm guessing that as investors in your startup, they will have invested in a portfolio of companies that pretty much do. Um, if it let's say, for example, SaaS. If you know, if you have a SaaS startup, they will have twenty other SaaS startups, so they will have a sort of a template even. And so, you know, you can ask them. You know, I, I've I've done that before. I've asked asked the VCs and said like, you know, what do you have? What do you want to see? And they will send me over a template, and then that makes it really really nice and easy.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. That makes a huge amount of sense. And there's two topics there, right? So there's the degree to which you're investing in the pre-read materials on the assumption that your investors take the time and trouble to read it and yeah. uh, build a decent understanding off of that. And and therefore you're limiting the degree to which you've got to present for a long time in the board meeting uh, because you believe that they've gotten their head round the you know, historic financials th- through the pre-read. So there's a there's a trade-off there where you might be committing a lot of time to the preparation for probably quite a short presentation window, in fact. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, and then there's a second piece, which is the degree to which uh, you're assuming the investors have got a strong sense for which metrics would count in your business, or whether you need to lead that and you need to lead them towards those the the right metrics.
1: Yeah, I agree, and I think I think what you've got there is that if you think about the, the trade-off there, I mean, I think board meetings, you know, you are actually face-to-face or you know, you know, on virtually face-to-face with with your investors. Those that time is precious, both for you and both and also for the investors. So, you know, my my feeling on this is that that time should be used really to focus on the key issues that the business has and the strategic things that that need to be done going forward and how the investors can help you. So I think you know setting the stage with a pre-read and putting that investment, time and effort into the pre-read um, to prepare the numbers and prepare the data that's going to be done anyway, whether you present in the meeting or whether you present it as a pre-read. I think the the focus though in the meeting should be to, to deal with the strategic issues now, you know whether they are financial strategic issues or things that you want to say to the board like oh you know the the stuff that maybe the CEO will present on or other people within the business. Um, to say like oh can you open your black books can you open um, open up your diaries and give us introductions to people etc and give us extra time those are the kind of things that you want to be dealing with with this with the actual investors in that meeting and you don't want to be spending time talking about historics
0: yeah absolutely and 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 that that structure is becoming a lot more popular over time where Mm. uh, founders are savvy to the type of structured approach that you're describing, Prakash, where you probably have 30 minutes to get through the prepared materials and for the CFO, the CMO, etc., to kind of get through the major highlights. And that leaves you probably two and a half hours to actually solve things and to sort of unlock challenges that the, that the business might be having and to use that um, valuable investor time. Absolutely. To, to kind of input on those things. Um, I mean, have you found that there's a role... For the CFO in sort of advocating for that type of discipline, that 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 type of structure in board meetings.
1: Well, I think I think the CFO is is probably the primary advocate of that because I mean the the way you know our roles are kind of structured because we deal with numbers, we have to be disciplined around stuff like that, especially around you know things like cash flow, runway, burn rates. All of those things are the key kind of highlights that I would have, and I think the CFO's role is to actually you know because. It's an interesting kind of um, position that we're in. And you know we have um, we have a position where you know we are obviously the champions of the company and we do want to to, to push what the company's doing and what the strategy is. but we're also, at the same time, you know we are the guardians and the stewards, I guess of the investor funds, so it's an interesting sort of balancing point or a fulcrum or pivot that we that we sit in and I think that encouraging that discipline from both sides actually is actually quite important because you know the company may you know it there's always a risk in a board meeting that when you're sitting there presenting numbers, you end up just weeding them out, and especially with financials, one of the things I find is that there's you know there's inevitably somebody in the in the board or some an observer potentially or someone who you know where you, where you start to get dragged quite heavily into the detail and you sort of go well why is this margin moved from you know 10 percent to 12 percent why is why have these sales not gone from you know not not risen as much as, as as we forecast now all of those are questions that we can we can deal with as part of that pre-read and ideally even you know what one of, one of the things that i tend to do as well is to say well just send send us your questions email us your questions from the pre-read and then that removes the need to have the board meeting kind of um obstructed by you know going down into details and you know the board the board meetings and the board is a, is a strategic it's a strategic function um and that's what we need to focus on in terms of you know what we do in those in that time you know it's a two or three hour slots that we have every six weeks every three months every you know every two months whatever it might be it's um and that's important to actually you know deal with the future rather than dealing with the past
0: yeah absolutely and that point around being being the steward or the safe pair of hands uh that 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 is how the investors particularly VC investors see us in terms of sitting on the c-suite um, and and that sometimes can lead to um, quite quite a bit of contact with some of your investor directors outside of the board meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, and is there in your view like a balance to be struck between the degree to which that 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 contact's occurring so that some of those detailed questions that you mentioned are not taking up important board time? or is there always a worry that that that, that some of that contact perhaps is unnecessary, or can be just to check how things are going without going through, say, the founder or something like this?
1: Yeah, I think I think that's an, an interesting point, because I guess the founder or the co-founders, the CEO especially, will be the primary person that will talk to the investors on a day-to-day basis, especially where it's VC investors, I guess, um, as opposed to potentially angels or seed round investors. When you get to the VC levels, it's the CEO We'll be talking to them about those strategic things, about maybe opening up their black books and you know getting those intros um from you know from other customers or from the portfolio of companies that that the that the VCs or investors have invested in. Um, but I would generally expect there to be an open channel between the sort of the C-suite members and and especially in those areas where we specialize. So for example if I had a question, I don't know, let's say for example on um, setting up an emi scheme or and there was some sort of i mean obviously the standard ones are relatively straightforward but if there was some sort of quirk i would expect in a similar way to the startup cfo network to be able to ask a question to my investors and because they've had a portfolio of companies and you know they have a network of their own there would be um, an easy way for them to get the answer to me in the same way that i could just pop onto the startup cfo network and and ask that question there and inevitably with you know a thousand plus members and um you know so having so much experience to hand there's always going to be someone who knows the answer so with finance related stuff and ongoing stuff that comes up because you know with legal with ops with hr all of these kind of things that you know even the vcs now you know they have talent partners that help out their 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 invest their, their investments um and you know that community of portfolio companies that um that are that are out there you know that open channel is really really important because you know it means that you don't waste time necessarily in those structured board meetings to discuss stuff that is really more far more operational and can be dealt with with via, via an email
0: mm. and that sounds like uh essentially it, it it presupposes quite a bit of maturity in the cfo because essentially you're going to have that open channel and that open channel can be very positive and for fielding things that are very sort of detail orientated and could soak up lots of wartime you use that channel just to make sure that those things are satisfied but maybe if something bigger comes your way and it really needed to go through um the c-suite or the founder or something like this you can always divert that back to um that 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 forum can't you mm-hmm, absolutely and i think and i think i mean
1: that's the the key word you use there is maturity and i think that as you get more experienced um, as you go through your career you know the move up this up the ladder from you know being a finance manager to a head of finance to a finance director to a cfo um you know maturity is one of those key things that you that you will pick up and that people do pick up over time and one of the key things i think that just distinguishes um a CFO from you know a finance manager or head of finance is that for for me at least you know I have there's an expectation there that the core elements of the cfo's role you know having a grasp of the numbers understanding the story understanding the budgets understanding how each of the bits of the organization fit together from a financial perspective those are pretty much a given so you know you have one foot in 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 that in that area but you also as as you become you know the c suite the idea is to be to have one, one foot also you know looking forward 12 months looking forward to two years and understanding how the numbers today are going to enable that plan the two-year three-year strategy which is what inevitably you'll have got the funding for for usually it's like a a 24 18 to 24 to 36 months um, time frame and understanding that is really very key and then that maturity allows you to have that grip on the numbers but also have that focus on the on the future and how that strategy is going to be you know operationally carried out
0: yeah so I think um we certainly see that 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 combination that you're mentioning there Prakash that 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 mixture of being really mature and savvy about you know what it takes with relationships in order to run a great business but also being the person who is strategic um who's got that 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 shared vision we often see those people you know really active in our group um yeah. And that, and that brings us to actually this this idea of the counterbalance, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you hinted at it when uh, you talked earlier about, hey, look, you know, some things you might be doing in, say, a Series B or Series C company as CFO could well be quite different from Series A. And mm-hmm. what, what, what investors are typically looking for is they're looking for a great sort of you know, strategic CFO uh, who can partner with the founder or founders, but also they can be a counterbalance because the mm-hmm. nature of a founder is to take quite a lot of risk that's why these businesses exist in the first place Absolutely. Uh, and they're looking for the cfo to kind of challenge some of that in in a very positive and sensible manner and make sure that some of the best ideas come through and are sort of delivered on, and there's metrics to measure on success, uh, and some things that might not fly or might not be succeeding at some point are suitably um, managed, and uh, some of that counterbalance um, piece really brings value.
1: Yeah, I agree, and I think you know it's an important thing to to note. I mean, if you think about the way um, investors invest, you know, at, at seed level, really, what you're doing, you're investing in an idea. Now, there might be Seven or eight paths to that growth, and there will be a whole host of um, potential, you know, avenues that you may the company may go down that are that aren't really fleshed out. You know, who knows what's going? to, at seed stage. Who knows what's going to happen two years down the line? <clears throat> what may happen as well is that in you know, and when you go from seed stage to Series A stage, what happens is that you you're kind of fleshing out that product market fit. You've pl- fleshed out you know, the the verticals that you're going to go down. Um, But there's still a lot of uncertainty in terms of how the actual um, execution of that is going to happen and whether it's going to happen in one geography is going to happen in one vertical or is it going to happen across a, a range of verticals. But, you know, generally speaking, you know, that product market fit has been answered. And you're then deciding to, let's say, let's say we're in the UK, we're we're deciding, let's go, we're going to take over a certain portion of the UK market. And then when you go to series B and beyond, it's effectively either about vertical expansion or geographical expansion. So by that stage, when you're going into new verticals or when you're going to new geographies, you know, really the core processes and systems should all be in place. And it could be just as simple as, you know, almost as copy and paste the business model across from like the. UK to Europe to USA etc or it could be something like where you're going to new verticals but then the thought processes of how you're going to approach those verticals you know you will understand the the customer acquisition costs. you'll understand the lifetime values you'll understand all of this kind of stuff and you'll understand how much therefore you can spend on marketing based on the experience that you have from one market to another so i think the essence of the role changes quite substantially from being that counterbalance that's actually counterbalancing the ideas and the pathways to then being the counterbalance that's actually looking at then the, you know, the, the cost benefit so much, uh, much more in detail when, when you've all already got that expansion strategy in place.
0: Yeah. So it's, it's, it sounds like it becomes much more structured The sort of counterbalancing for want of a better word Mm -hmm. it's more structured as you've got more traction and the business is a bit bigger and and more more growth stage yeah actually some of the things that you might be debating with your founder around late seed or series a might be just the fundamentals as to whether um you've got a product market fit whether the market really is big enough for this yeah um, more that type of thing and um and one thing that we noticed, Prakash, is that in the startup CFO group, in our Slack group, we've yeah. quite a few conversations about um, how the CFO role changes over time as the business matures. And often CFOs say, hey, look, you know, um, when I joined, the founder was doing investor relations. And now we're about to do our C round. I kind of realized that it's me leading that yeah. with questions about how their career developments and what best practice might look like for investor relations. I mean, what, what, What's your view and your experience on this?
1: Well, I think what happens is that uh, you know, as as businesses mature, they change obviously, um, and so from when when you start off in a in a seed company, uh, you basically have you're hiring people. You're hiring people that will do a multiple number of roles. You know, the CEO will also be doing, as you said, the investor relations. They will also be doing potentially the marketing. They'll also be doing potentially all of this kind of stuff. And the CFO, you know, we will get involved in legal. We'll get involved in ops. We'll get involved in HR. We'll get involved in all of these other functions. And so you're hiring people now what happens as the company expands you hire people then into roles so as you become more structured you know you develop the, the hr matrix and all all of that kind of stuff you hire people into roles so the the role the, the job does change and you know there's a there's a there's a great um, article about you know handing over your legos i think where it says um you know you should if you're still doing the same thing that you were doing 6 months ago in a startup at least um if you're still doing the same thing that you were doing 6 months ago you know you're you're doing it wrong because you need to be ha- growing Handing it on and handing that information, uh, handing handing those, those those roles and those processes that you were doing six months ago onto somebody else to do as the business grows, and you know I think that the focus on things like investor relations is that the the core questions that need answering around, for example, you know the, the shares, the the cap table, the board meetings, the legals, the um, you know the. Um, I guess the, the, the valuations, all of these kind of things are all things that sh- the CFO really should have a handle on. And that should allow the CEO to concentrate on you know, the major strategic things around growth, around expansion, around increasing profitability, around, you know, the key C-suite or the key senior hiring that we need to do to expand, you know, either, as you say, either into either geographies or into new verticals
0: yeah so that's 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 really a sort of cascade so as long as the business is growing and successful the founder releasing some things that that person was holding on to and cfo taking them on Mm. cfo passing some of the things that that they were perhaps rolling up their sleeves on six months ago passing that down to their head of finance or something like this that that, that kind of cascade seems really important i mean we found actually in um our very successful mastermind Uh, coaching groups Um, we found that that type of format because it's a a coach driven environment and it's peer-to-peer support we find that those types of topics about taking on new things and how to embark on that challenge how to be able to feel confident you can pass something down to somebody more junior we find those are really really common topics
1: yeah 100 percent, and i think you know, the key thing, I guess, in, in this is if you look at if you look at that Slack group, I mean, there are people there with you know, like yourself and myself who have had sort of 10, 15 years of experience with this. And then there are people there who are just coming into that role, you know, moving up the you know, being a very, very smart finance controller or head of finance, moving into the finance director role. Now, one of the things I would say is, is in that is is it's very, very important to try and acquire mentors and those mentors are the ones who who have seen it and done it before now you know not just one mentor necessarily but if you you know for different stages in your career you'll need different people who are mentoring you and obviously if you move into different areas or different sort of um aspects of the tech world um, you, you know you may need different mentors but i think the the concept of it and the concept of the masterminds and the, the, the you know the courses and the, and the classes that we that, the, that you run are really, really important for that personal development, that career development, and actually, you know, the the ongoing learning that we all need um, to to really function properly in in, in those roles. And I think, again, it comes back to that move that you need to make from being a person who produces the numbers to being the person who tells a story around the numbers, and then moving on to that to saying, well, what's the future look like based on the story that we have today? Um, and I think that's really the important thing. And that's where mentoring and having those um, those relationships with your peers is really, really, really
0: useful. Yeah, yeah, wise words indeed, Prakash, wise words. It sounds mm-hmm. like uh, everybody should have a kind of recurring sort of you know check in every six months with themselves just to just to see what they're doing are you doing the same things that you were six months ago are you spending enough time on you know planning for the future and the business strategy mm-hmm. um, and just kind of checking in with yourself even if you haven't found a mentor and i think many of the members of the group haven't yet found somebody that that, that they can meet with regularly and talk these things through with and that's partly why we produce the um you know mastermind uh, coaching groups is to help to fill that gap uh but it sounds like you know even if you can't dive in on something that adds lots of value like that you can still have a check in with yourself and just see 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 how it's all developing
1: absolutely i mean i I think the mastermind coaching is, is is amazing because you know the structure that puts around what what we have to offer is is really important for cfos who are growing you know and going through that development phase now obviously you know we 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 i I mean i mentor and i i have a mentor um and and it's really important to to have that at all stages through your career now that mentor will change and as you grow and but i think it's it's throughout your development you know having someone that you can fall back on who you can act who can act as a sounding board that is really really important
0: yeah 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 really interesting so it sounds to me prakash that there's three major takeaways on the board piece and they are broadly um, have a clear vision for uh, what what can be in the pre-read so that you're just not reading stuff out in the board meeting so that you can present and add value in the board meeting uh, to be, be open to this concept of a bit of an open channel with your investor directors so that, that they can get some detailed points between board meetings, but knowing that y- you will be mature enough to divert anything that's more substantial back into the right forum. Uh, and it seems to me that the, the, the third major takeaway um, uh, would be that, that, that if you have the chance to engage in coaching group or you find a great mentor that will help you to manage your transition and manage that 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 quite accelerated change you're going to have from being first time in the boardroom to being quite probably on the board two three four years later
1: absolutely and i think this is that's that's a real key point that you just mentioned there, guy is that you know the transition in the tech startup world from being a finance manager to being head of finance to being finance director to being cfo can be very very rapid and you know it is really important to have that sounding board and that ability to feedback um, and, and to receive feedback actually because you know we go into startups knowing that there is a huge amount. It is a roller coaster ride and there's a huge amount of potential volatility there. You know this is why we don't work in you know oil and gas companies um, unless they're they're startups. Um, so you know it's it is one of those areas where you kind of think well. We, we go in there, we recognize the volatility, but there is such a a rapid pace of growth. And now if you can't keep up with the learning, and if you can't keep up with the, with the way the company's growing, and you don't, it's almost like having the answers before the question is asked, um, then at some point, you know, someone's gonna get hired in above you. Now, if you, that, that may also, that's not a bad thing necessarily, but if you're if you're working your way on that path to the CFO status, then you want to be able to you know, to show this, the founders, the CEO, the investors that you are capable of of taking on that role.
0: Yeah, seeing seeing what you're doing as part of your your ever evolving journey is really key. Yeah. And actually, Prakash, if if we were to kind of finish up on maybe maybe two two major learnings that that you've experienced maybe mm-hmm. maybe one from your role mentoring others and maybe a second one from uh, you you having somebody who who helps to mentor you um what 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 key takeaways would you have from each of those
1: um i think that the key thing for if I, if i was to go to the take the, the, the biggest takeaway i think that i've received from a from a mentor is to say you know have a plan and understand the story um, because the story is what you sell to the investors. The story is what makes them invest. And then, you know, how we're achieving that story and how that story is developing on an ongoing basis, that's very, very key. And having that ability, and I think having setting aside the time to actually talk with the CEO or the co-founders and the other people in the business about how that story fits together. Because the CFO is actually, you know, we have our fingers in all of those pies of the business. So that from having having received that feedback um, from a mentee's perspective, the people I talk to, I think what people tend to do is they get very bogged down in the detail of, you know, what they're doing in the moment. And what I tend to say to them always is, look, guys or, or ladies, just step back step back and look at the big picture, you know, in three months time, will you be worried about what you're talking about today? If the answer is no, you know, if there are other things that are going on, other things and other opportunities for growth within the business, and if there are other things that are going on that will, you know, for example, getting involved in a funding round, for example, you know, getting involved in a trade sale, looking at, you know, evaluating new areas of business, No, the things that you're worried about today, if they're not that important, then, then step back look at the big picture and just keep
0: moving forwards yeah that makes sense so you know essentially um don't get bogged down in the weeds
1: yeah exactly and you know that that's the whole point of the the c-suite the c-suite you know when you get to that point you know the idea of being sea is to not be not be bogged down in what's going on today but always be looking forward and out into the future
0: yeah absolutely absolutely and actually um it's worth us mentioning we did um a very good podcast with Tom Coward, who you'll know, um, yeah. focus entirely on the storytelling point that you make. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes it's hard for people who've had financial training to really get their head around that as you go more and more senior, you you may be in a growth stage business. It might be PE backed. You might IPO the business, that it's that storytelling that really cuts through. Like It doesn't take you away from the fact that you're the chief um chief numbers officer you're the person who's got to know all the details but the storytelling adds a huge amount of value
1: yeah and that's that i think that's what causes that that's what gets people to jump in and you and 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 come along for the come along for the roller coaster right
0: yeah absolutely and these things normally are a roller coaster but often in a good way (laughs) it's
1: exciting it's exciting there's ups and there's downs but it's always exciting
0: yeah absolutely and that's why we do what we do Prakash, um, look, it's been so good to have you on the podcast. I realised we could talk all afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um, look, I mean, thank you very much for being on. I mean, it's been a, a real joy to pick up these really important topics of uh, board and all the things that plug in with the CFO's role on the board. So thank you very much for joining us.
1: That's my pleasure. Thanks very much.
0: been a fascinating discussion with Prakash, with a good deal of wisdom on running your board meetings that's valuable to any head of finance, FD or CFO. If you're a tech CFO and you want to join the group, go to startupcfo.tech and apply. It's a great forum to discuss challenges with your peers and perhaps join some of our in-person meetups.